0: Stories within stories, meanings that point upwards. the gospel behind the games, by Josh and Brandon, and this is Crossover Collab, New Game Plus.
1: So yeah, we're on the topic of among us, someone is famous on YouTube already involved in master playing you're doing great basically i'm interviewing you a successful youtube star in among us who is very good at playing might i add i already knew what there was one game where we played and you were very quick to (laughs) there was like all of us were in one place and then someone died and then you were instantly like, Brandon, it was you. I was like, <laughs> it's not, I promise. And I'm like, <laughs> you're supposed to be the one that's supposed to go easy on me. It was like my first <laughs> game. And I was like, you just threw me under the bus. See how this well, is. But they're yeah. going to trust a celebrity. I mean,
0: you. I far <laughs> from it. I, I think Ian's the real celebrity. Uh, so if you want to check out the uh, shenanigans that Brandon was referring to, Check out Darkwood on YouTube. You'll be in for a solid like mm-hmm. twenty minutes of fun at the minute. I think <coughs> he's got
1: uploaded. Shout out Darkwood. Um, we are gonna have to pay him for this. Um, sorry, no, yeah, he's gonna, have to, he's pay gonna us, have
0: to pay us for this uh, endorsement.
1: If Ian, <laughs> if you do not pay us, we will blur out your name. If
0: you if you hear this and uh, don't want to pay us, uh, just I don't know, send us a message uh, with the 100 emoji uh, so that we know that you've uh, listened this far into the podcast.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, right. I'm pretty sure most people would have left by now. If you are still listening, thank you. This is good quality content right here.
0: I'm going to say something really meta as well. Uh, Because we haven't edited this yet, uh, none of this has to be in the podcast. How weird is that? So people don't have to have left by now because we could have cut it down.
1: What? That's... Quite scary. Yeah, that's it. Because we're technically... Right now, we're talking to just... Well, well, I mean, we're talking to each other, but, like, we're technically talking to nothing. We may as well be talking to the wall. <laughs> but I love how... Man, no, that's some deep context. No, let's that's not go not... there. That is some deep.
0: <laughs> that's uh, that's a mm. job for a psychologist, not for not for two lads yeah. from the northeast.
1: You did want to dive into um, some of the mechanics and philosophy of um, Among Us, definitely. I mean,
0: just straight up from the example that you mentioned, like we're both great friends. We'd stick up for each other. Uh, we'd have the others back, you know. Uh, in in most cases. If if I, you know, if I found out that you'd uh, actually killed someone like in, a, in, in Among Us, maybe it would be different. But I'd like to think we'd have each other's backs in real life if something were to go wrong. And then <clears throat> all of a sudden in this video game environment, uh, I get the opportunity to throw you under the bus and I do it without even thinking that that is something, right?
1: It is. It is. Very scary, but it's it's really funny how friendships, uh, as people have joked about on social media, it's like friendships have literally been ruined because of this game. <laughs> it's just like ah, you think you knew your friends, but when you put in this into high stakes situations, oof, what will they do? Mm. Um. So yeah, it's is really interesting, and it's like it's a really. Interesting how a context and a situation can make that stuff. Yeah, okay. right. <laughs> um, as I've explained, Big Brother in the US is a lot different from Big Brother in the UK, and I love the US version of Big Brother because it's all strategy. Mm. It's literally about they vote each other out. It's nothing to do with um, the public yeah, or anything like that. Yeah. It's nothing about um sucking up to the cameras. It's literally. You form an alliance, you create <laughs> friendships and stuff like that. Uh, so you think, and it's basically who can get to the end, and they vote each other out. And there's oh, there's loads of like different levels to it. But basically, at some point, you have to backstab and throw each other under the bus. Mm. And there's two kinds of players. You've got the ones that make it to the end who are actually strategic and that don't take any of it to heart. They understand it's a game. So say if they were in a final yeah. two with um someone else or whatnot and then near the end they actually throw them under the bus the person i got through under the bus usually is like it's fine we're still actually best (laughs) mates in real life it's just one of those decisions that you have to make then you've got the emotional players that's me (laughs) is it actually yeah
0: well it depends on the game but
1: yeah (laughs) like there's some people that take it very seriously but like who get i mean really upset to the point where it's like if we're in real life, hundred percent understand that emotion. The idea of betrayal mm. is awful. But if you've willingly come into this game, knowing that it, the, the game is literally revolved <laughs> around relationships and backstabbing, why are you getting upset about what's just happened? Like it's, it's just part of it. Like you're going to have to do it at some point. Someone's just done it to you. So like, yeah, that's, that's what you see a lot of. And that's where the drama comes in of like people crying and being upset. Like, you you put me up on the on the block and now I'm gonna get voted out, all because you want to stay in and it's like well well yeah the only only one person can win that's here. Game, so I highly recommend getting a VPN and watching American <laughs> Big Brother. If if you're in the UK, if you're in the US, just you already know what I'm talking about. <laughs> um, so good, man, so good. But yeah, that's what yeah. I'm always, it's well to like, explain um, for
0: those who haven't heard of it, uh, who you know don't engage with the internet and haven't seen all the memes about it. Um. Among Us is a game where everyone plays as crewmates on a spaceship. One of them or two of them, depending on how many you've got, uh, are the imposter. They're the only one who knows that. And the crew has to basically survive and complete all of their tasks that they have on the ship, while the imposters have to try and kill them without getting caught. If a dead body is discovered, or if someone gets suspicious, an emergency can be called. People start throwing accusations around left, right and centre, trying to figure out who the imposter is. There are certain things imposters can do that uh, innocent people can't do, and vice versa. So it really is, it's a game of intrigue, of betrayal, of uh, persuasion. Um we've had a couple of games haven't we Brandon uh, on a Discord server with some just mad few. lads I just... and yeah, yeah. Uh, having that voice chat really <laughs> does it adds a lot to the game because unfortunately there are a lot of people who have to just use the in-game <clears throat> in-game text chat and I've I've played both and it's not the same like it's a lot harder to argue nah. your point over text cuz you got to just type really quickly But um, yeah, so that's the game for anyone who didn't know. Uh, And we're gonna take a little look behind the hood at what some of these mechanics say about human nature and how we fit the gospel into all of that as well.
1: Yeah, it's one of those games where it's like... Um, Well, actually, I first want to start on a point that we made when we first ever started talking about it, was how this game has aged very well, and it's as you said, it's one of those really popular games now that isn't what we deem as like the triple A kind of really advanced, um, perfectly polished kind of uh, games that we we assume. Mm. Like, for instance, you know you've got I don't know Horizon Zero Dawn, Fallout, Call of Duty, Assassin's Creed, all all, all that stuff. Like. They seem polished and they seem like well-developed big worlds, but there can be a lot of problems with them. However, something can be just as fun and community-based or community damaging, I guess, <laughs> depends how you look at it. <laughs> um, with like very basic mechanics, the art style, I still think is pretty good, but it's it's standard compared to like realistic graphics. Yeah, yeah. And with the focus, the focus on uh, creating realistic worlds and graphics, how basic mechanic can really develop something great and just it's great it, i think it's a very clear example of less is more yeah to be honest. and in fact um,
0: actually a big thing with the design of the characters uh, they have no arms most of the time uh the hands only appear when they're either like killing someone or um like pressing the emergency button and none of those animations take place <clears throat> In the game they're like an overlay that appears on top of the game where it shows that
1: Mm.
0: happening um so you know that that's the um the beauty of the game is that the imposter who has to pretend to be doing these tasks for all intents and purposes appears to be doing those tasks because they have no arms so you can't you can't see them like just standing in front of a computer and not typing anything you can't see them at an engine room and not turning the spanner or whatever, you know. You, you just see this armless crewmate stood in front of something that you know is a task. So you assume that they're doing it if they're stood there. Um, so that's something that actually better graphics, more realistic graphics would undermine that central idea that you're trying to communicate as little information about what people are doing as possible. Which is where you get all of that suspicion and stuff building up. It's it's a really clever choice.
1: It's very clever, and it's like, it really favors the the quality over quantity. Mm. In that it's it's like a very basic um, map that you go towards, and it's um, like I said, it's it's not like a big open world where things are designed to be picture perfect quality graphics and whatnot but it's um, they've invested a lot of time into almost perfecting these, not even the graphics, but like I said, the, the mechanics yeah. in terms of... So like a great way of, as you mentioned, not having the arms, you can't see if someone's doing it for real or faking it, but they do give an indicator because in the top left-hand corner, you yeah. have the, um, the green bar that goes up to show if a task has been accomplished or not. And... So that makes you question whether the person has completed that task or not. If it hasn't gone up and they've walked away from where they're supposed to be doing their task, then you can um sort of conclude that they haven't done their task and so they're the imposter. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's it's really interesting how it's one of those things, and we've kind of touched on this before, where you really need to you're essentially like a detective in that you've got to really analyze and take on all the little clues. Yeah, yeah. Um, and
0: every single mechanic it gives you access to clues. Yes. There's nothing in there that, that exactly. wouldn't act as a clue. So like the tasks, Yeah. the placement of doors or whatever, like if someone was seeing, like you've got areas of the map that are sealed off that you have to be in that area locked in for a few seconds before you can move forward because it's like decontamination and stuff like that it's like oh well they entered alone they left alone there's a corpse in there there's no other way in or out Uh, that that's something that contributes to it like every little thing that they've put in the game every mechanic every system the imposter's ability to sabotage uh as a means of splitting up or grouping up the players so that they're in a particular area of the map. The ability of the imposter to vent to multiple locations is a huge pro and con because they can get around a lot faster, but then they also have to come up with an explanation of how they got from one side of the map to the other in, like, two seconds. So everything, it's, yeah. it is, yeah. You have to do the detective work, pay attention to what other players are doing, and effectively... Mm-hmm figure out how you are going to argue your own innocence which is a huge thing
1: yeah that's it and that's why it's it's a scary reflection of real life because it's if you are the imposter you've got to figure out exactly how to cover your tracks how to explain yourself you've essentially to be good at the game as an imposter you kind of got to be good at lying mm. so it does really tell your character if you're like <laughs> particularly when i asked you how you were as an apostle, and you were like um i'm pretty terrible at it but that's good because <laughs> i don't want to be good at deceiving people um so i mean it is a good uh, attribute that way but it, i think what's fantastic about it is it is a genuine reflection of um observing human behavior mm. and the simple thing is like say another character Is following you around. You're wondering, and that information even indicates, like, either they're following me to wait for the chance to kill me, or they don't trust me, and so they're observing me to see what I will do. And so, like, there's the simple thing is two basic characters on screen can actually tell a lot about um our relationships and just like how we observe each other's behaviors. Um, And like I said, it's such a basic um, mechanic and and game to do that in. Mm.
0: But
1: yeah, it says a lot about our humanity and how we link with each other.
0: 100%. And I think as well, um, through the ideas of the the violence and the lying and the betrayal and all of that, because those issues are explored in the game's mechanics, it then highlights the importance of things like truth, of trust, of friendship, Mm Um and like that kind of honour. Like um the there've been times where we've caught an imposter and then the it's like, Do you have anything to say in your defense? And they're just like, Yeah, guilty is charged, it was me. Um and that moment of honesty is like, Alright, cool, good on you. And you know, the to honestly the like you can really learn a lot from the moment where you're absolutely blindsided, where you go along the whole game with this narrative building up in your head. As you say, doing the detective work, you already have in your head who you think's going to be the imposter. And it's like, ah, oh, they're acting shady. And you look for all the ways they've been acting shadily. And then someone <laughs> calls an emergency meeting and they're talking about all this evidence that points to the very same person you suspected. And you're like, yeah, it's got to be mm. them. Because their story matches my story and makes it look like they're the bad guy. And so you get rid of them and it's like, oh, they were innocent. And you've been blindsided, you've been tricked. And sometimes it's an honest mistake where the crew have just looked at all the wrong evidence and it points to the completely wrong thing. But there are other times where you can have that imposter who's lurking in the shadows, who's playing puppet games, manipulating people, making sure that... They see what they want to see and all of that. So that's kind of why I wanted to talk mm-hmm. about this today because with us talking about Shutter Island as well, recently on our director's cut, the idea of a character that has this like narrative in his head and the film has this particular narrative that it's trying to drive through for most of the film. And it slowly breaks down. Mm-hmm. You, Even though you've got all of this evidence that points to you know, he's being drugged, he's being made to go crazy, like, they're, they're trying to gaslight him so that the truth about the facility doesn't get out. Also, spoilers for all the people who uh, went on to this thinking it was about Among Us and then it ends up spoiling Sugar Island. Spoilers. Sorry.
1: <laughs> Again, it's a fairly older film, you know. It, You've it's had there. 10
0: years. It's on <laughs> Netflix and it has been <laughs> for, like, a few months. That's my defence. And we've already talked about it, so if you're watching these in order, then you've already had it spoiled. But anyway, we just need to get a bit more on the ball (laughs) about these spoilers, I think. Um, Yes, we do. (laughs) But yeah, like um, this idea that he's got this narrative in his head, and then all of a sudden there's this twist. He was wrong. He has to realise why he was wrong, and he's given the full evidence of why he was wrong, and he can't deal with that dissonance between what he thought was the truth and what is actually the truth. And I feel like in a game like Among Us, you experience that so much more viscerally because you are the one who is effectively culpable if an innocent gets killed. Uh, You are the one who went the whole game making an assumption about what a character was doing or what their allegiance was and then realized you were wrong. And I think that's where it hits home so much more.
1: Oh, yeah. Matt, do you know what? This links so much to the church for me. Because I think a lot of us, um, and even myself now, that I still try to look at things objectively, I think we can all come with some pre-assumptions, mm. um, particularly towards scripture and people. And I think it's a key element, and it's extremely important to be in a community to support each Definitely. other. And <laughs> it's, it's interesting to take a game like Among Us, which weirdly is about deceit, but... If if you are the crewmate, you and your teammates as a community are working together to find the truth. Yeah, yeah. And so you bring everyone brings their own direct observations, and I think the game works best when no one brings any prejudice either, mm. um, because I think bringing a lot of prejudice can actually ruin yeah, the game. Yeah. If someone's just like, I don't know, Cameron's kind of sus. It's like <laughs> <laughs> that's not evidence. That's just. You bring in your own yeah. prejudice because I don't know they spent a little longer, and it's like don't get me wrong. It's an opinion, and you can bring it, but I think the community shouldn't be focused on um, relying on that preconception. And so I think particularly when engaging with anything, and particularly scripture, if you do have a, a large community, and a case you didn't know um, among us is made for is it four to ten players? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. So um, what we've observed is you tend to get the imposter slash imposters more quickly or more efficiently, the more there are um, of you. I don't know. That's the way I've experienced mm-hmm. it. I don't know if it's different, um, but I've noticed that particularly when it comes to like reading and research and researching scripture, it's better to have um, a quite large group, not to the point where no one can hear each other's <laughs> voices, but like a good enough group where we have enough ideas and we have enough points of view to try and find the most um, accurate uh, truth, yeah. which in um, theology terms is exegesis, which is just trying to find the most accurate interpretation of exactly what the writers were intending with their literary style and their culture and their history. And so, funnily enough, me and you, Joshua um doing this with another friend of yours we're in the process of doing yeah. it where we're, we're we're taking different angles we're essentially being um detectives and we're gathering we're gathering as much information as we possibly can that is separate from subjective feeling and then we're we're compiling it and then trying to find the most accurate um interpretation of a scripture now this is what the church has done for it's it's kind of like history and trying to identify Um, But then again, I think that there is a lot of um, sub-religions and uh, denominations that I think have still come with their own prejudice. And so I think, again, it's a a theme that runs through pretty much most of our um, episodes now, and it's just the idea of looking at things objectively. So whether you're looking at a a basic game here or whether looking at deep um, agent history, theology it's best to just get away from the prejudice and just look at things um from a factual objective standpoint Definitely. and you should be able to succeed more
0: yeah and i think if we if we use an among us game as like an analogy for a second so every individual player has their own storyline of what happens to them uh, specifically the people they encounter, the tasks that they do, the people they kill if they're the imposter and how they get away with it. And there's these long points in time where each player is kind of isolated because they're not able to talk to each other. They're able to see each other and you know walk around with each other, but you don't get a read on what that person's thinking and can't mm-hmm. even begin to, to understand what's going on from there perspective so as you say all of the crewmates they work together as as detectives and when the time comes where a body gets reported or someone slams that emergency button people start sharing their stories and comparing stories and looking at what each individual person picked up as clues this is something actually that um I, I love Stranger Things for this as well. It's a great show for that of this idea of uh, individual characters learning little bits and pieces at the same time as the audience. And then right at the end of the season, okay. they just share notes and then they figure out, oh, this is what we're up against. So I love that kind of storytelling anyway. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, like that moment in an Among Us game, people are like, okay, so I was looking on cameras, I was checking the admin table to see who was where, um, oh, I was checking vitals to make sure no one had died, etc. And mm-hmm. you compare those stories, you try and find flaws in them, and the the essential mystery behind everything is that you don't have access to the shared story, which is like an objective camera looking at. Everything that everyone is doing the whole Mm -hmm. way through the game and knowing every single detail that has occurred. I feel like that's the same when we're trying to learn about uh, the gospel and what God really meant by it. Because Mm -hmm. you've got God's perspective, which is this top-down, far-off, yet also really close to the gritty details, look at the world... Yeah. He planned it before time. He knows it beginning from end and all of that intimate understanding of every single detail. And so, you know, there's no confusion on his part. There's no suspense or mystery. He he would know right from the start who the imposter is, to use that analogy. Mm -hmm. Um, We as believers are trying to reach that same kind of understanding. Um, But we know that because we're only human, we can't achieve that understanding on our own. So we compare perspectives uh with others around us mm-hmm. i think that's something that people do regardless of their belief uh people are always going to compare what their experience of life is with someone else's experience and then they weigh it up and they go well yeah. usually what people do is is that compatible with my experience and if it is you assimilate it into mm-hmm. your worldview and you make it work so um i think that's why yeah it, No one really has a very specific, like, I fully fall into this category of worldview because different people feed off different things. But yeah, so when we look at the Bible, it's important that we're looking at it not as one individual reading something and trying to figure out our personal storyline for it, but comparing notes with Mm. other believers in the attempt to access that more uh, objective, as you say, truth that God actually put there. And I, th- I think it's very intentional on God's part to make it something that we can't understand on our own, that we have to band with other people and oh, seek yeah, God's definitely. advice on too.
1: Yeah, yeah, definitely. 100% we need um, other people's input and their way of uh, looking at it differently and maybe more accurately. And also the um, the Bible itself has its own form of that within the four Gospels. Mm. Yeah, um, true. Which um, Tim Mackey has actually said that technically it shouldn't even be plural, it's Gospel, mm. uh, but it's just it's it's four perspectives of the same yeah, story. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then you've got, obviously, the famous uh, apologist Lee Strobel, who um, wrote Case for Christ and it's basically... Uh, biography of him wanting to disprove christ and through that he ended up proving him because he was um he was basically a reporter um and a writer for a newspaper and basically he used what was his strongest advantage and his strongest um process of learn the truth which was through eyewitness testimony and basically it's, it's the same as if you're a detective, and it's kind of what we do um, if we're playing among mm. us, is um, people give accounts of, say, something that's happened like a crime, and if something is fabricated or if it's a conspiracy, it can be very quickly debunked, particularly with uh, more people that bring more stories. Yeah, yeah. So he talked with a lot of people but he particularly brought that approach towards disproving christ and what I realized was actually the way that the four gospels in their historical accuracy are actually interwoven and that tell the story of jesus from their own point of view it can't be fabricated in terms of its realistic depiction and its uh, authenticity yeah. in how it tells the story from each perspective and so it's taken like even without us as such, but looking at the scripture in itself, it's also um supplying that objective view by going, we're not just going to tell you one random story, but we're also going to support this by telling four individual accounts of the same story. And some bring in more... Um, the Each gospel is slightly aimed towards proving a specific yeah. point in something. Um, For example, the gospel of... Mark is more focused towards those who understand the Jewish culture. Well, the Gospel of Luke, he specifically um wrote it for people who do not understand mm. the Jewish yeah. culture, which were the Gentiles. Um so they say the exact same um general thing, but there are terms that Luke uses in order to make it more um understandable for particularly Greek culture. Yeah. And so It's just that kind of area where you just look at all four of them and you you build up this bigger picture of going, okay, this is the objective truth here. There's not any points that are absolute contradictions, although there are certain um, bits that do seem to tell slightly different stories. But again, understanding the context, and particularly from the point of view that they're looking at, it completely makes sense. But again, that's a topic for another time to really dive into um Mm. but yeah that the gospels in themselves are like the like the multiple players in among us putting together a solid um story to try and tell the truth yeah yeah and
0: you can see that applied as well on a macro level across the bible as a whole because of it having so many Mm -hmm. different authors that all effectively add to this like no no single author of the bible which i think is fantastic no single one of them had a complete view of god or his plan until yeah. after the fact and so you've got all these people like moses moses right in the pentateuch wouldn't have known necessarily about well he, he wouldn't have known about the exploits of the israelite kings uh he wouldn't have known yeah. about even even what his successor did after him uh in conquering that land Uh, He wouldn't have known what Mm -hmm. was going to be prophesied in the future. He wouldn't have have known that the future that was going to be prophesied was going to come to pass. And all of that, like, he doesn't know any of that when he's writing it. Mm -hmm. And obviously now (laughs) he would be united with God in heaven. But that while we live our lives, we each get this little glimpse, this little perspective of who God is. And we've got this book that points to the character of God and as itself, like, it's a collection of all these different people who God spoke to in a tiny little way, or maybe even a huge way, and was like, this is something important about my character, and I want you to write it down, so that over the course of all of these books, we can read into who God is and understand him a lot more mm-hmm. than if we just had one perspective, one author, one voice.
1: Exactly, yeah. And like I said, each, even each book in the Bible... Um, kind of forms this not physical picture, but you definitely build up the attributes of God, uh, particularly. And we actually we glimpsed on this. It's the book of uh, Esther. Yeah, that's yeah. the only book that doesn't actually mention God or describe any action that he takes within the story. But is it's taken a, f- a fresh new perspective to go. Actually, God is in the background. We're purposely not mentioning mm. him to see. Do you know what? It's basically a Christopher Nolan film. <laughs> i I tell you because like we've we've talked about tenant and we're gonna do a proper talk about it um probably when it comes out on but DVD how... so
0: we're not spoiling it for all of you guys <laughs>
1: yes, that's a good idea yeah definitely um but yeah the idea of doing the work yourself finding what's there not not being handed over to you on a silver platter but actually going it's it's right there in front of you you just need to be patient and see it and then you'll uh, and look at the theme in a in a bit of a way essentially the the creator the writer is putting the trust into the reader um same as christopher nolan is putting the trust into the audience to understand what he's saying rather than just spelling out the theme for us you know and even the the mechanics of the film for that fact um so you know like i said there's there's multiple ways to build up a um clear perception of of who God is. Although even with all of that put together over thousands of years of understanding, we he's still incomprehensible and um we we're far from even getting a glimpse of who he is because his nature is infinite and way beyond our understanding. Yeah, exactly. Point of, that's literally the point of
0: it yeah so, th- so i guess that's a a good point to talk about to address is the um the gnostics who appeared in the early church and um, the people who mm. effectively argued that um if you learned enough if you studied enough if you had enough knowledge that you could know god and that that was yeah. the only way to find salvation was by knowing yeah, everything. yeah. um but yeah, I think we need to stress the importance of doing that individual detective work in reading the Bible and understanding the Bible in the same way that like, we would want to understand each other as friends or as much as a husband would want to understand his wife and vice versa. Like, all of these relationships yeah. are built on that mutual desire to learn more about the other person um so that's Mm -hmm. what we're doing we're we're not on this quest to um learn everything there is to know about god because that that Mm -hmm. puts a lot of pride i think uh on us which in in of itself is is sinful and reflects our imperfect nature so uh, it's Mm -hmm. like you know like you said in, in among us games when you've got those um prejudices when you've got that sense of pride like oh no it can't have been them or it must have been them or my perspective is always correct um or Mm because like the amount of details that i fail to recognize when i'm playing a game of among us like i i don't pay attention to the task bar if someone's looking shady uh, to check if it's going up or not yeah. and stuff like that um there's been times where i've even forgotten which player killed someone and i've seen them kill someone and i'm like it was so and so yeah yeah and then the imposter's like no sonso's dead like they're the one that died aren't, aren't you looking and i was like no no no. they were the ones who got killed yeah it was yeah. the other guy uh what color were they and all of that like um mm-hmm. it's important yeah that we let go of that pride of thinking that we know everything or that we can know everything but still having that yeah. inner desire to find out that truth about god that objective perspective because we want to know more about him it's like motivated from love rather than a proud kind of you
1: know, yeah exactly and that that highly reflects the the pharisees and the sadducees that were um focused on interpreting um, a lot of the Old Testament um, prophecies in terms of understanding the Messiah as a brutal, violent warrior that would relieve the nation of Israel from Roman occupation. And so it was, and Jesus came along and said, no, what everything everything that was said in, in that uh, in those prophecies was actually true. You're just not yeah, looking at it yeah. correctly. You haven't you haven't looked at it fully. I'm literally I, I'm him. I'm not coming in on a grand horse on and here to kill people and, and to be grand and and a king and to um, relieve you of Roman occupation. I am a humble poor man that's homeless most of the time serves my disciples, rides in in Jerusalem on a donkey, I die for my enemies, and I don't relieve Israel from Rome, I relieve the world from sin. Yeah, And so it's just that, and it's so interesting, because those two views are literally so far apart. It, that's created from just a, yeah. sin, a very subtle misconception applied of to the, the same
0: text as well like they both had the same law and prophets to uh, yeah. gain that wisdom from and for there to be two wildly different perspectives and even between the pharisees and sadducees they couldn't agree on resurrection as an issue exactly so yeah it's um it is huge how the parts of ourselves that we bring to the text when we read it can be very dangerous mm. and can even obscure the message if we're not careful to keep listening to that voice of god within the text rather than going oh this is mm. what i think it says or this is what my translation slash uh or it paraphrased version says
1: yeah yeah, yeah, I oh, know, right? Daddy God yeah, exactly. Banned.
0: I've heard it said before. I'll say it again.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's it. I agree. Yeah, that's it. It's funny because yeah, you, you have a lot of um, versions of Bibles that are very summed up. Where I find myself buying versions that I have to read the footnotes are longer than the Bible itself, and it's like, and they help a lot, and it's important to have commentaries and multiple commentaries to. Even they're like a clear example of gathering as much information, studying together. Um, so it's funny because I feel we've really highlighted the idea of community and particularly church-based way of gathering information to try and find the yeah. truth. So I think the question comes up of how sus do we have to be of people? I think yeah. that's also something that we should probably question a very good point because of course
0: there have been many christians throughout history that have made a name for themselves because they have taken the gospel very much out of context
1: Mm -hmm. through history i think through present as well
0: oh yeah when i say through history i mean right up to now yeah Uh, and beyond of of course course. um but yeah Mm -hmm. the the because i think You know, if we're willing to concede that we can't have the correct perspective on the gospel, it's only natural that the people that we are trying to understand the Bible with, our fellow Christians, Mm -hmm. have also made similar errors. Or at least
1: different errors. Exactly. Oh, definitely. definite. Yeah.
0: And some are a lot more extreme than others. I mean, you you do have like mm-hmm. I have mean a huge one today, and has been since televangelism. Really, is the idea of the prosperity gospel that um, God yeah. will give you money if you give Him money, and He will give you happiness and all of that. And uh, material Ooh. wealth is a promise. And it's not. It's not really a thing in the Bible. Um, in fact, Jesus says the opposite. He says that we'll suffer for his name and all of that. It's it's a hard life. It's a narrow road and all of that. So it's very easy for that gospel message to be distorted. It's very easy to oh, find yeah. ourselves in the company of Christians who are looking at the Bible completely wrong. Um, but so are mm-hmm. we in some cases.
1: Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah.
0: It's... um. Well, to use uh, something from the Bible, actually, is this idea of uh, testing every spirit. Uh, Paul talks about it when he's referring specifically to prophecy, this idea that if someone from the church shares a word that they believe is from God, I think that applies to the Bible, too, because the Bible is the word of God um, manifested in a book. Mm -hmm. Someone's like, oh, I've had this revelation. It's important to test it and to have wisdom and discernment and look at it. Through the lens of the Bible and go well. Does it does it reaffirm the gospel? Is does this sound like it's mm-hmm. God's perspective? And if it isn't, I think that's yeah. when we get a little bit sus. Of course, we we yeah. don't uh, we don't chuck anyone out of the airlock. <laughs> we don't <throw> people <laughs> out of church necessarily, but uh, we definitely. Tell you what, have wisdom.
1: Oh, for definite, it's interesting because like it's a very. <sighs> It's a complex culture. There's a lot of um, what I think are like specific kind of groups that I feel they're forming in the church. They might have been formed a while. I'm still Mm -hmm. young. But I found that there are very big false teachers and people who obviously have a very big misunderstanding of the biblical narrative, and particularly people who are in a position to teach um, the Bible. So I think you have that extreme. Then I think you have what pretty much most Christians and people fall into, which is um and there's a I haven't read it yet, but it's on my list. It's a fantastic book called how um doc was it how doctrine um divides people in the church it's along that line. Yeah. basically, it's supposed to be a phenomenal read of how literally everyone um makes mistakes and how um just making a quick point here how. I love uh, Tim Mackey. He's one of my absolute favorite speakers and creators uh, and teachers of mm. the Bible, in the uh, particularly in the Bible yeah, Project. Yeah. I love his work, but I need to not fall into the trap of following only him and looking on his perspective. Yeah, exactly. Although I do find pretty much everything that he talks about is incredibly scripturally and spiritually rooted, and it's so, it's factually like supported mm. and everything. But I still make sure to not fall into the trap of. Just trusting everything he says, so I still try and find other sources. He would
0: say the exact same thing to his viewers. Like, okay. it's a resource, it's one guy's uh, application of scripture, looking mm-hmm. at theological ideas, looking at historical ideas, looking at the context and all of that, as we've talked about. But it is effectively what he has understood from it and so is a starting point yeah it definitely like i think the bible project it triggers a lot of really interesting conversations about the bible Very, and exposes yeah, yeah, yeah. ideas that i think the average uh christian reader would maybe not notice i mean like we both had our mm-hmm. minds blown i think by different things that they've that they've mentioned and oh, like recontextualizing yeah. the bible um and and giving it that richness i suppose that we talked about a while back um of seeing it mm-hmm. in its fullness kind of thing but um yeah, i think exactly. was it uh i think it was the 10 minute uh 10 minute
1: or oh, 10 minute bible hour
0: 10-minute Bible hour. That's it. I was trying to put power hour in there. 10-minute yeah, yeah, yeah. Bible hour. I think it's what he was talking about was this idea of um, looking at, at the story as being about Jesus and not about us because that's a that's a huge mm-hmm. misconception people bring to the Bible oh, is that, man. well, yeah, God yeah, interacts much. with us and God created us and God loves us, and all of that is important, and we can't diminish that but we, God doesn't exist for us. He's not here for our benefit. Mm-hmm. We are here for his benefit. Um, and so it's important to yeah. read the Bible from the perspective that God is the main character, and therefore the Holy Spirit and Jesus is the main character. And everything that God does, that is the central narrative. He is the protagonist, and we are the side characters.
1: Yeah, and that's a hard pill to swallow, I think, for a lot of people.
0: The world does not revolve around very. you. It's like it's one of those things where, yeah. you know, I I can say it, but um, it's sometimes it's a perspective that you can very easily.
1: It's hard and, to practice it.
0: Yeah, like. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, you always wake up and go to sleep in the same head, I suppose. So you start every day from that perspective, and it's important to mm-hmm. kind of think outside of yourself and go actually. I'm just a small part of something greater.
1: Yeah. Oh, for definite. Yeah. I totally uh, agree with that. And so, um, I just wanted to continue, uh, with, with, with expanding on how a lot of people can still be, um, relying on too many things or, or miscon misconceiving stuff. And, uh, like I said, like even following people like 10 minute Bible hour or, um, the bio project, yeah, it's you know it's it's seeing stuff, um, collectively and contributing towards it. Now, there are people who are just way too sus <laughs> all the time, um, in the church that I feel is like, it, I, personally, I feel it's becoming a community within itself, and I think that's why a book like the one I just um referenced is it has to be written because. I think there's a lot of very proud people, particularly in Western church. Yeah. And particularly I feel in the more evangelical American kind of um, church is a business area. Kind not of. to say that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah exactly. And, it's, and that's just a very uh, big summary because obviously there's a lot of people in the American church and in the evangelical church that do fantastic mm. work. But, Even I know, even I identify um, a bunch of Christians that are too proud to call out anyone that may... That they're sus of. Genuinely that they're sus of. Like, they've got no indication. I've literally heard people say, I'm not going to listen to this person because they cussed once or I'm not going to listen to this person simply because I just got a bad feeling about them. And while I don't think it's you should just ignore, oh, I've got a bad feeling because quite often the Holy Spirit really yeah. does work in in that way and that we do just have a bad feeling. And there's been many moments where it's been confirmed that bad feeling was quite true. I mean, just
0: watch Star but, Wars for seven, sorry, nine.
1: Yes, that is true. But then again, I had so much hope for that film. I was actually being super positive about no, it. No,
0: I, I mean that. literally when but, they say I have a bad feeling about this. I'm not coming. For once, I'm not complaining about it. Oh, uh, <laughs> uh, um Yeah, whenever they say I have, I have a bad yeah, feeling no. about this, it's because the divine inspiration of George Lucas is seeping into that world uh, and telling Han Solo that something is. bad is about to happen, and so it does. <laughs>
1: There we are. Okay, so now, well, now you have my opinion on Star Wars anyway, so that, I mean... When do we ever not shoehorn it
0: in, though, let's be honest. Yeah, true.
1: Oh, we have to talk about that at some point. (laughs) We really do. Um, Anyway, I mean, we started these conversations talking about Star Wars anyway, so I mean, we may as well go back to (laughs) it at some point. But yeah, you're Um, saying about having a bad feeling,
0: yeah, before I rudely interrupted.
1: Yeah, so... Nah, it's no worries. It's, yeah, the bad feeling, it's like, and I think that if you do have a bad feeling, I think that still has to be followed by research and evidence. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Because there's just too many people who just automatically make quick conclusions that not only do they not trust, say, um, a preacher on TV or someone that they're reading, but then they're, they're put into the category of, they're a false teacher. They're evil. They're the Antichrist. Oh, yeah, right. And I'm like, oh, man, calm Can down. You say you don't they like might
0: have
1: <laughs> Exactly. I'm like, and so, you know, I've even like I've referenced even Tim Mackie's uh, to certain people, and like they literally googled them for a minute and already made their conclusion on them. I was like, literally, <laughs> how? and I, and so I I did this um, on purpose to prove someone a point I was like think of anyone someone that you think highly of and they did and I typed the name into Google and put false or fake or bad next to the name and an article popped up that involved <laughs> that and I said no, I was like no matter what you do or where you go there's always going to be people who just want to watch the world uh, <laughs> you know they're just they're focused on finding the negativity in yeah, people yeah. and it and I think there is a really it's a it's an interesting stance to take within the church because there are too many people who are way to um it's like a kid being shown candy in a street it's candy. Ugh, I'm American now. Let, this is the candy that Isabel has over me. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> excuse my language, excuse my language. It's all right, it. English. Bloody it's
0: isn't worked. a swear word over here
1: i know well people would differ with that honestly have i cut co- ah oh, anyway anyway off topic so um yeah there's so say if like you know you got kids in the street and then like someone offers them sweets and stuff like that you obviously don't want to be like a kid skipping along towards a vehicle quite dark imagery i'm I apologize <laughs> about that but you know the idea of you, you know what i mean in that <laughs> in terms of you know you don't want to be that silly and um that tempted into a very dangerous situation mm. but at the same time there's being um agro- is it agoraphobic or agoraphobic, agoraphobic I think where agoraphobic agoraphobic yeah I th- yeah however you want to term it where you're scared to leave the house because you're afraid anything can mm. happen to you and it's like and it's those kind of two very weird random examples but um how they, you can't live life, and you can't. You need to get your information from somewhere. Your information will come from a human being, and because we are broken human beings, there is going to be at least some, even minor element of um, like inaccuracy or yeah. slight prejudice, even in someone that I consider to be highly reliable, like Tim Mackey. Yeah. Again, I will not put all my trust into yeah, him. Yeah. And again, so it's what God's. It's with among so us. God. Yeah, exactly. That's it, and and God will guide you to where your sources will come from, and the, and the right people to have around to create a um, solid foundation, and to know how to um, study scripture and how to love people um, correctly, and not just correctly, but in like the, the best way that we can. Although we won't be able to achieve um, perfection um so yeah again it's just, it's just too many people are sus nowadays and then you've got too many people who are too yeah, trusting yeah. and i think there's it's find that balance of okay if you are sus get the information yeah, and yeah. if you're too trusting you probably need to be a little bit sus because unfortunately as much as the i consider myself to be somewhat of a too trusting person and i've had to remind myself sadly unfortunately i i'm still called to love people unconditionally but that does not mean they'll have to be tempted with candy. <laughs> <laughs>
0: well, um, I mean, to use an example from like the a, a standard Among Us game, usually if you are suspicious of someone and you blindly accuse them, that's one of the biggest indications that you yourself are the imposter. Like, oh, well, yeah. you had no reason to sus them, so you must be trying to throw the blame. Uh, so that is a very quick way of getting kicked out of that game, so you learn very quickly on, yeah. if you are suspicious of someone, you've got to catch them in the act, or you've got to at least build a strong case against them you got to be like, they were looking shifty exactly. over here, they were in the same place that the victim was found last round uh, you know, they stood at this place, but there wasn't even a task there, so I don't know why they were there they've been following me the whole game mm. stuff like that Any one of those things on Mm -hmm. its own wouldn't be enough to hard accuse someone. You wouldn't be able to convince everyone that that person is indeed the imposter. However, combining all that information, taking your time and going, right, this is my Mm -hmm. initial assumption, but I won't let it be my conclusion until I've done some more digging. Now, it it is important that when you do that digging, of course, you don't keep going along with the assumption that they are guilty, and you are trying to prove how they're guilty. Yeah. You instead are like, right, I'll keep my distance so that you know they don't turn around and stab me. But I'm mm-hmm. not gonna, you know, completely a hundred percent throw them under the bus at this point because they might actually be innocent, and I might have just misconstrued something. I think that's exactly. the same with uh, yeah when we're looking at these teachers, when we're even studying the Bible with other people, everyone's perspective can be challenged, can be uh, tested by the spirit. Um, mm-hmm. We can use that idea of discernment. That's a gift that God gives us through the Holy Spirit to help us. You know, God kind of gives us that general thing of, mm, is it—is it really sus though? Or, or are you just letting your emotions get in the way? Or on the other hand, <laughs> oh, don't you think that maybe this isn't 100% aligning with scripture? Sometimes I'll find, I I used to get this quite a lot in RE lessons, would you believe, where scriptures would pop into my head Mm -hmm. as we were being taught what Christians believe. Um, And Mm -hmm. I would just, um, my classmates must have found it so annoying. I had this little pocket, like red Bible, that I would just get out of my bag and I just flip through it and uh and so <laughs> I'd, I'd always do this thing where uh, if i heard something if if our teacher was saying something that christians believe that christians in general don't believe and it's only either the teacher believes it or the catholic church believes it or you know whatever um then yeah. i i do this eyebrow raise single eyebrow raise i'm like hmm, that's <laughs> kind of <laughs> sus I get out my Bible, flick through, find the scripture that's just popped into my head. And I'm like, uh, "Yeah, but uh, doesn't it say in the Bible?" Da 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 da. And that's not me being that's not me <laughs> being clever. That's that's me getting that bad no, feeling no. and going, "Hmm, this this doesn't exactly. align with what I've been told Christianity is." And then we go back to the source, that evidence of the Bible. We yeah. read it. We go right. This is literally what it says. And if we interpret it, you know, at least in a functional way, then it doesn't agree. Like, I wouldn't do it over minor little things. It would be on major things where it's like, no, this is a key scripture that says this fundamental doctrine about Christianity that is true, no matter what denomination you belong to. And you're going against it. That's the thing. That's when we call it heresy or false teaching. It's so when it's completely incompatible yeah. with God's word, and it's like, yeah, that's not from God. That's either from man or from something far worse.
1: And then you call a, an emergency meeting.
0: Yeah, before he can turn to the Antichrist and uh destroy the world. Oh my god.
1: <laughs> yeah, right. I mean, you know, some of those um... imposter
0: kills, they do look pretty Cthulhu-esque, I've got to say.
1: Oh yeah. <laughs> um Yeah, it's and it's funny because like I think the only time that I can get quite aggressive and where I think a lot of us do become quite um, grounded and prophetic in terms of defending faith is when, when people that we have approached, well, not necessarily we, but like the church have approached or other people have said to a teacher and they've gone, actually, I know what you're trying to say there. Um, It's understandable from what you're looking at, but I think you need to do a bit more research because um, if you look at other parts it doesn't quite support what you're saying you may have just flipped open this um, certain passage and then made your own conclusions mm. about it now if and this is where it's important to be a humble leader to go do you know what i've actually looked at what you've just recommended to me and i take that and i apologize now that is a very for me they're clear signs of a leader yeah for me if i'm following someone that now, if it's a regular thing, if they're like messing up or they're misconceiving things, I, I I won't invest my time into learning from them. But say if they're usually quite accurate and they mess up on one thing, then it's going That doesn't fuss me too much. It's if they, I, it, well, it kind of does. But the main thing that bothers me is if they don't take on that. I don't know that criticism. Yeah, that um, advice. If they, as a as a leader, a humble leader, can take on that advice and then change, that to me still says you're human. But do you know what? You're humble enough to be a great leader. It is when you have quite a few televangelists that are too focused on just creating something um, controversial or. I really don't feel to have anything new or mm. fresh to say, which is not, that's not the point of Yeah, preaching. yeah. If you have to go, like, you're literally, if you really have to, you just go on a cycle of teaching the, another uh, book or another character again till people get yeah. the full context of a certain part of the Bible. Like, it's not about bringing fresh ideas sometimes. That was
0: actually a really interesting thing I heard recently um, Preacher saying, like, uh, oh, the, the last thing you want to hear from someone is, I've had a revelation from God. It's like, you shouldn't be having a revelation. Mm-hmm. Revelation implies something new, something undiscovered. God, why would God yeah. teach you individually a hidden truth that's not mm-hmm. found in the Bible? So that's that's the yeah. idea of, um, so there, there are kind of, a few schools of thought around it nowadays in terms of does prophecy still exist? Do miracles still happen? That kind of thing. And it is, Mm. it is a very contentious debate. So I don't think it's one we can get into now for time purposes, but um, Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah, there, there are some who believe that, you know, if it's not in the Bible, then it's just straight up, not from God. There are others who think that prophecy is still alive today. And, in, in that mm. category, you've got people who will just blindly accept anything that they're told as long as it's prefaced by and the Lord saith unto you and then, I don't know. Um, <laughs> yeah. God showed me who I was gonna marry anyway. Um, <laughs> uh. <laughs> oh! <laughs> um... Yeah, no, not I to agree. Just all the people who, uh, who heard from God who they were meant to marry and then married them and has had a happy marriage since. Uh, not that I believe yeah, you on yeah, any yeah. of those details, but
1: uh. I totally understand. But yeah, I'm so going, I think
0: um, it's important that when someone's like, you know, I've heard something from God, it's like, well, you test it by the scripture. And if it's something that is completely radical and never heard of before, and it's you know trying to get you to adopt a mindset that is uh unlike the gospel mm-hmm. um then yeah so. it's very sus if and mm-hmm. yeah this very is right. uh what what brought to mind as well i think we've talked about it before i seem to remember talking to you about this but i don't know if we were on record when we did uh about lazarus and the rich mm-hmm. man yeah yeah, yeah yeah more looking at the side where um abraham's like Saying to the rich man, if th- your family will not believe the law and the prophets, the Bible that already existed at the time, uh, the Hebrew texts, if they will, if they won't listen to that, then they won't even listen to you coming back from the dead, warning them that hell is a real place, and you know all of that. Mm.
1: I just want to clarify that you you said Abraham.
0: Yeah. So in in that parable, yeah, um, it, it, Abraham was used specifically because he is the bosom of Abraham was a term that was used in a lot of the uh ah, Hebrew yes. scriptures to refer to the place that uh dead people went who were righteous. And it indicated being in the presence of God as if you are there with Abraham. Mm -hmm. Because of Abraham being the one who was given the promise from God, he was part of the original covenant. That's why it mentions Abraham. It's obviously a parable that Jesus is telling, but he shows that having Abraham speaking to this rich man, bearing in mind as well that the characters are invented, the rich man and Lazarus. Yeah. It it implies, yeah, that um, effectively Abraham must be in heaven because it's like Abraham's bosom kind of thing. Um so mm-hmm. he's yeah. effectively saying yeah you can't cross this chasm between God's presence and outside of God's presence. Um you mm-hmm. and you can't go back to earth, you can't tell your family because and it's not even just like because we won't let you. It's a case of because even if you went your family have read the law and the prophets and they haven't believed it. So that's an important yeah. thing as well as like Prophecy, I I do believe in prophecy. I do believe the Holy Spirit still speaks through individual believers, and again, that it is a point mm-hmm. of contention uh, among different denominations and whatnot. I I do believe in it, but uh, I believe its its purpose is about edifying the church and building up God's people. Yeah. Um, it's not to reveal new information. It's not to change the gospel. Anything no. like that is a hundred percent not from God. Um, And if you ever encounter anything like that in your own church, to those of you who are church attending Christians, then um, by all means, go to the Bible, look at some of Paul's letters are great as an introduction on how to have that spirit of discernment, how to rely on God for that sus feeling, uh, knowing when to (laughs) place sus and knowing when when to trust.
1: Exactly. And that's it. And it, you know, have those emergency meetings. Yeah,
0: it, definitely.
1: Talk about it. Oh, man, I'm living this I'm honestly. <laughs> you no, know, like...
0: I'm no, I'm not going to use it in real life. That's kind of cringy, but it works. <laughs> it works for this. <laughs>
1: I can just imagine you in front row of like church going, it's so strange. <laughs> or like... He keeps looking at me. He keeps looking at me. Um, I saw Yeah, first I don't. Event. Yeah, she is. <laughs> I, everyone thinks.
0: So I'm getting um, really angry. No, no, he was he was on the stage a minute ago, and now he's in the cafe having a coffee.
1: <laughs> I love it. Honestly, it's a great analogy. I didn't think it would be this applicable. To be honest, I thought it'd be more about um, lies and deceit. But I think, yeah, hey, I mean, great it's, it's kind of um,
0: cool. <laughs> I always. Do. It always snowballs somewhere
1: that we never imagine. Always. Yeah. Always. I agree. Um, if you don't mind, I kind of actually want to jump on the topic of um, kind of um, profit, modern day profits. I know we said we were going to talk about this uh, deeply a little while ago, but I kind of just wanted to give my opinion and my view on how i i personally think that um there are still there is still a need for prophets in today's church but i think in a pretty different sense as old testament yeah. prophets um because i think we're, we're serving the same kind of value i think because there are a lot of um false teachers or a lot of just or even misinformed mm-hmm. teachers as such may I may not even put them into category of false maybe they just you know, they're human, the message yeah, yeah. now and again. Um I think that to prevent this idea of um these new revelations and new stuff being added to um the church, I think that the Holy Spirit is um the ultimate prophet in itself. I think that's something that we need to keep mm. remembering is that we don't necessarily need a brand new fresh prophet to let us know exactly what to do because we have the Holy Spirit and this is something that I've talked about with some Mormons who um believe I ca- I'm not gonna say his name because I don't fully know it. Joseph um, It's Joseph something. Yeah. But yeah. Um anyway, not really important. But yeah, they they have faith that they still need a modern day prophet. And what I've said is, well, the reason that we needed a prophet is because we didn't have the Holy Spirit. We literally needed someone externally to say, you're mucking up. Where well, now we have the love of God, which is the Holy Spirit, to um, guide us along the way. However, there are people who, I think, are so consumed by what they think is received by the Holy Spirit and they don't want to look any further than, this is an exciting new idea that sometimes you do need someone externally within the church to go, yeah, but that, that that's not the case. That's not scriptural or that's not spiritual as such. Yeah. So basically my, my main point is for every... Um, I still think there are a lot of people out there, say, call them preachers, pastors, um, evangelists. It doesn't matter what you label them. I think that p- particularly people within the church nowadays... It isn't to bring new ideas. I think it's to realign people to the original idea. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I think that's that was just a very long-winded way of me saying how, how I think a lot of people in the church, particularly disciples, particularly in leadership, I feel should be taken more of a prophetic position in terms of realigning people towards the whole of scripture rather than taking on the roles of um, new age scholars and I've got to bring fresh ideas. And this is what I find really interesting because when I've talked to people about what I'm writing and I've expressed themes in the Bible, a lot of people said to me, wow, that's a really new, fresh way of looking at it. And I always say to them, it's actually a really old way of looking at it, but you've just been... <laughs> it seems fresh now, <laughs> <It's- laughs> I-
0: because, uh, yeah, yeah, it's had- it's been just kept in and the fridge it. for ages, and no
1: one's opened it. Exactly, exactly. And it's like, and you could just see the eyes flicker, because I'm like, yeah, exactly, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> like, what th- me saying that Jesus loves you is definitely not a new idea, but... What's really interesting is I am literally displaying to someone a old idea, not just an idea that's two thousand years old with Christ, but that is even mentioned in like the very old ancient Hebrew yeah, yeah, yeah. um scrolls, and it's and it's literally saying to them like, firstly, this message is timeless, and it excites me to be like, although I am addressing really old stuff. It's still new to people, so we don't have to worry about thinking, "Oh, I'm teaching really old stuff; nothing's new." Actually, you'll find if you deliver it in its original context, Francis Chan um, basically conveys this message in letters to the yeah. church, and he's basically like, "If you just if if you just convey it all, don't leave any bits out, and you give the full context, you'll re- you'll see how rich God God's love is and everything around it, and when you deliver that to people." They'll think it's new, and that excites us because it's like it isn't. It's old. How <laughs> awesome is that? Yeah. Your your perception is different, and guess what? We're we're learning new stuff together, even though it's yeah, old. yeah. And I I don't know, man. I love that. I it for me that that really excites me. I get I get Definitely. passionate about it just because it's. You, I think the idea of like you've broken through and actually changed someone's perception, and like I said, our aim when we're having this conversation, it isn't initially to convert them or like go by the end of this conversation, I want you to close your eyes, raise your hand and pray to Jesus. Repeat after me. You know, <laughs> it's, exactly. And it's like, I don't want that for that person, but to even as, um, oh, I can't remember his name now. He's written a fantastic book as well, but I'm going to use his analogy um, to put a stone in someone's shoe. Yeah. As he puts <laughs> that's it, cool. to basically, yeah, and that's that's essentially what I I really want to do. I want to put a stone in someone's shoe to go. Actually, this is I'm uncomfortable with it. i have noticed something different mm. with it. That's all I want them to go away with. Yeah, to understand it from a different point of view, not a new one, but an old one. Rand is over.
0: Yeah, you you don't want them to go away and be like, ah, yes. Uh, Brandon's opinion, yeah, it's like well, ultimately mm-hmm. exactly. you want them to agree with God's opinion, and it's something that, like, I we it. I th- I think it's a again, it's an assumption that we make specifically when we're evangelizing, where we're like, oh yeah, I I agree with God's opinion, so I'm just trying to convince them of my opinion. It's like, well, you're mm-hmm. just trying to open up a conversation and get them to think about it because. Like let's face yeah. it, if if God is all powerful, then he's able to save anyone he wants to. And if he was able to convince me, then I'm sure he can convince anyone. Like you know, it's it's nothing yeah. to him. Yeah. It's no big deal. Exactly. And yeah, getting that honest perspective on God where it's not just like being coloured by someone else's Opinions or perceptions. Yeah, very, very important. Yeah. Which exactly. is, I think, why um this is something as well that you mentioned, I believe, when we were talking about Spider Man, uh, about the idea mm-hmm. of having uh, one person uh, planting the seed, another one watering it, another one harvesting it, using that kind of analogy. Yeah. I think that's why it's so important because, again, that's a process that involves multiple different people. So it means that that person is going to come to faith in God having this more rich perspective because they've seen how faith in God has worked through many different people's lives in different ways and what perspectives they've gained Mm -hmm. about it through their lifetime. So that person... Is able yep. to come to that belief already knowing what it's like for so many other people and why they believe it, and seeing that even though these are different individuals with different personal opinions, that what they're saying lines up around about the person of Jesus. So yeah, I mean, it's not an accident. I think God knows what He's doing, and uh, He oh, He yeah. definitely like it's not good for man to be alone, as He says. He He created people to exist in unity and to learn things together and to have this collective desire to learn more about god as a as a way of you know showing that
1: we care agree man i love that yep and hopefully we'll get to a point in time or technically out of time where we will be sus of no one
0: yeah right imagine
1: next time on Crossover Collab. Hello there. General Kenobi.
0: What would you say is the biggest source of the Jedi's hypocrisy?
1: I am your father. Very um, greatly compared to the church.
0: How the Jedi are trying to suppress that idea of attachment because they've seen what it does to the Sith.
1: And the dark side, which are oriented all about passion and acting on passion.